Hello, everybody. Welcome to the premiere episode of Mel's Travel Guide, the show where you're going to hear about all kinds of travels from Blind Mel. She is someone who I've come to realize is a very capable woman. She's very talented. And my guess is, from what I've been told, that she's very beautiful. So, having said that, I have no idea how she's going to be able to uh, travel as much as she does without being hooked up. I don't know. Having said that, um, this wouldn't be a Who's Blind Life Is It Anyway show without the spiel. So remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and family, especially if you think they can benefit from anything we say here. And subscribe, activating the notification bell if you want to be notified when we go live or upload a new video. We are also streaming on our Facebook page, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And on Twitter at Blind Who's. If you don't like to watch us live, you can pick us up on podcasts. If you have an iDevice, an Android device, or even a Victor line of players, even that bitch Alexa, if you if you know if you want to ask her to go find whose blind life is it anyway, she'll actually go out and find us. And if you want a copy of the audio or video for this show or any show broadcast on our network. Send us an email, whose blind life is it anyway, at gmail.com. And I'll send you out a folder link on Dropbox that houses all the episodes we uh, broadcast here on the network. So, with the premiere series, and uh, here's our premiere person who's going to be in charge of this show. I present your hostess, Mel. Good night, Victor. How are you? I'm okay. I'm excited. I am so anxious. <laughs> I always get anxious before the start of a new show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, thank you for that lovely introduction and welcome to Mel's Travel Guide. Uh, beaming into you from Australia this morning. Um, unfortunately, I'm not on the road. I'm at home. and uh, Damn COVID. At the end of another COVID lockdown, they say that we're going to be getting more freedoms on Friday, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh -huh, wow. You guys even aren't even at the opening stage yet? No, no. That's no. awful. But that's okay. We we we're used to lockdown in in Victoria. We've been apparently our capital city has now been in lockdown for over two hundred and fifty days. Really, that long? Yeah, it's been wow. it's been long haul, but we're yeah. getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So tell us, what do you plan on doing with this travel guide of yours? So Mel's Travel Guide is going to be about 
obviously travels and my travels in particular. I'm going to try and share some information and tips and tricks on going um, on cruises. I'm also going to be sharing some information about some really great Australian holidays um, and talking about travel not only from a blind or vision impaired person's point of view but also from a guide dog handler's point of view and hopefully maybe one day I'll be able to um, stream the show from different holidays that I'm on at the time and I just yeah I just want to um, share my experiences and my perspective of travel uh, from my point of view. Right. Do you think you'll be interviewing people who have been on different travel vacations from around the world? I don't really know yet. I mean, I would like to, obviously, in the future, Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't really made any plans uh, to do any interviews yet. Right. Well, I'd imagine you've got a ton of stories to tell everybody. Oh, given what you've already uh, all the vacations you've been on yeah i've so i've been on seven cruises and i've been across the country on a train three times and um from the bottom of the country to the top of the country on a train twice so yeah that's right stories to go on with and then my big holidays you know i've been on other little holidays and I've been to Japan as well. So I've got plenty to tell you guys. Um, But of course, if anyone's got any questions that they would like to ask or any specific topics that they'd like me to cover, then um, they can always get in touch by emailing either your email address, Victor, at whoseblindlifeisitanyway at gmail.com or my email address, which is mickmate. M-I-C-K-M-A-T-E 94 at gmail.com and I would love to get you guys to give me some feedback or to ask me any questions about what you would like to hear on the show. And she, I mean, wow, I didn't anticipate you'd cover it so completely. (laughs) (laughs) And please go subscribe to Mel's Blind Life It is definitely a channel worth subscribing to. I have checked out so many of her videos. And not just because I love her Australian voice, but because she actually knows what she's talking about, especially with the horses. I love that horse video where you're explaining to everyone how you look after your horse. Yeah, I think the the horses, um, unfortunately... For YouTube point of view, it hasn't been as big a like thing as I imagined it would be when I first, you know, when I first got my horse, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this will, you know, really make my YouTube channel blow up. But unfortunately, they are the least watched videos on my channel, Victor. Really? So yeah, yeah. My horse videos generally average less than 75 views well i'm go i am going to remedy that by asking you can you tell us about your horse yeah um a little bit of a deviation from travel but there you go um so i well not really because 
this is a blind person's perspective on riding a horse, which is traveling. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so I own a, um, well, she's now 12 and a half years old. She turns 13 in December. I own a, a rescued um, off the track um, harness racing horse. So not, um, not race horses in the ones that gallop around in circles with a man on his back, mm -hmm. but the ones that, um, I don't know whether you even have these in North America, I suppose you do, but we have a, a second type of racehorse which has a thing called a sulky behind it, which is like a little tiny cart, and they we have trot that in, around we, the race course. We actually have that in Canada, yeah. Well, we yeah. used to. I don't know if it's still around at the Woodbine racetrack, but, uh, hmm. yeah. So we call it either pacing or harness racing here in Australia, mm -hmm. and they use standard breads. They don't use thoroughbreds. Um, so yes, so I have a, a rescued um a rescued off the track pacer. Um her name's mm -hmm. Maggie. Um as I said earlier, she's nearly 13 years old. And mm -hmm. um I long, long story, but the essence of it is that I rescued her from um neglect and when I first came to know her, she was very thin and not very well loved and now um, if anyone has seen her in videos they would see that she is almost too overweight <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and she's very happy and healthy now. So um, on my channel with her I do videos about how I look after her and I also um, do reveal some tips and tricks of how to look after a horse from the perspective of someone who is vision impaired or if you are a trainer and you get someone who's vision impaired or blind to your stables, I also give tips on on how best to help um, someone who is blind or has low vision to ride. Um, I don't ride her um, because of some injuries that she has from the track. Um, she has um, a back injury and, and a shoulder injury, which make her unsuitable for riding. Uh, but I just, um, I try and give as much information as I can. And if anyone asks a, a specific riding question, I can answer it to the best of my knowledge from my riding experience that I've had. Um, but I, I mainly sort of, you know, do stuff on the ground with her and, and things like that. How did you realize that you couldn't ride her? Was that something the veterinary told you? Yeah, so um, I noticed that she had a lot of pain because um, you can tell, you know, when they're in pain and stuff. Right. And I noticed that she had a lot of pain. And so I've I've had both a vet and a, um, and a special um, body worker um, sort of a little bit like an osteopath for humans, really. Sure. Um, come and look at her and they said, you know, yeah, it looks like she's got this injury and, and stuff like that. Unfortunately, the racing organisation who trained her, um, like the, the, the racing body, um, can't release her vet records to me, so I can't find out exactly what the problem is. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm not willing to pay for x-rays <laughs> no. um, because that can be very expensive and also a very traumatic experience with the horse. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious that it would it would make her unrideable. If I can ask, I mean, in one of your descriptions, you said horses in Australia aren't normally stabled. No. No. We Can live I... in mountain paddocks. Really? Yep. I think it's because our environment here is a lot warmer. And right. overall, it's better for the welfare of the animal if it's not kept in a stable. Um, mm -hmm. They, you know, they are outdoor animals and they need a lot of space to move around and um, they need to graze constantly. Horses graze for up to 70% of their day. Um, and they graze walking around, so it's really important to not have them stable to let them, you know, be right. as natural as possible, really. Right. And and how, I mean, speaking of welfare, do you, uh, how long do horses live? Do you know? Um, they can live up to 30 years, um, you know, an, an average life is between 25 and 30 years, especially for a, um, a healthy animal. Right, right. Except this one is, it has gone through her paces pretty much. Yeah, but she, you know, she's very, very healthy. Apart from, you know, the shoulder injury, she is actually quite healthy um, now. So I... I will be happy if she gets to 25 and every year after that will be just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we should, I, I, I think I'm going to start a GoFundMe campaign for your horse to get her the treatment. I mean, can she be fixed? Ah, uh, look at her age, it probably wouldn't be worth it. Um, mainly because she's not broken in for riding properly so she'd mm. have to be broken in, and she's really too old um, to be trying to break her in and everything now. So oh, it's better for right? her just to, yeah, it's better for her just to be kept um, comfortable and, you know, live the life that she's used to. But she's not, not feeling pain now, is she? She's not suffering. No, because I I give her, um, I actually give her magnesium, and that seems to help with the pain mostly. And I do have access to other stronger pain relief should she need it oh thank god yeah so okay let's let's get away from the horses and talk about <laughs> boat travel mm, how ship. many cruises okay sorry yeah. <laughs> ship travel i keep forgetting there's there's a distinguish there's a distinction between the two mm. i mean what sorts of travels have you been on boats so, so far as ship travel is concerned, um, oh, I've done. <laughs> I've well, done hold on seven... a second. Stop. Wait a second. You just did a whole tour of a paddle boat. Yes, that is a paddle boat. Um, not a paddle ship. <laughs> no, not a paddle ship. Um, so generally, I think it's if a boat ship is oh i can't remember exactly but it's a certain length and if if a if a vessel is 
under a certain length, it's called a boat. Mm-hmm. And if a vessel is longer than a certain length, it's called a ship. Um, but the one that I just did a video on, uh, you'll find on my channel, it's called I Stayed on a 70-Year-Old Paddle Boat. Yes. Um, I Yes, that is technically classified as a boat. And it was a beautiful boat. Yeah, it's called the Paddle Boat Kunawara. Um, it is in Mildura in actually on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, which are the two sort of southeastern states of Australia, mm-hmm. um, Australia's mainland anyway. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it is on the Murray River. A lot of people have probably heard of the Murray River maybe. Um, and the paddleboat Kunawara was built in 1950s um, and it was a touring vessel that used to tour the Murray River and do cruises with people, you know, staying on for a week or a weekend or what have you. But it has been, um, it doesn't do cruises anymore. It has been turned into a bread and breakfast um, and people can can stay on it um, as part of their, their bed and breakfast, their accommodation um, when they holiday in Mildura. So, um, it's actually a very significant boat to me. Um, in particular, my my mother went to school with a girl who went to the blind school um, in the nineteen. Yes. Anyway, um, my my <laughs> mother went to school with a with a lady from up in a small town in New South Wales, not very far from Mildura. And as an adult, my mum used to holiday up there and visit her friend uh, and she discovered about doing cruises on the Murray River on these paddle boats. And long story cut short, she made friends with the captain of um, a boat called the Winera, which has unfortunately um, sunk. It sunk it burnt down and then it sunk in like the 1980s or something like that. Well, that's true. And yeah, and so this gentleman who was this riverboat captain um, got a gig on the Coonawarra, and my mum holidayed on the Coonawarra a few times. And when her and my father got together, they started holidaying there together, and they actually got married on the Coonawarra. Um, Oh, and wow. yeah, so it's a very significant boat to me. And when I heard that it was a bed and breakfast, I had to, you know, go and stay on it. So yeah, so that that was um that was a really good. Um, and holiday. is it is it privately owned or or publicly owned? Yeah, so it's privately owned. Okay, so how was the accessibility? Um, the accessibility for someone who is blind or has low vision um was actually really really good um mildura is a very well laid out town it's very like square and straight um Mm. and it's actually um one of the few towns in australia that has what i call the american system of naming the streets so like it has um six seven eight nine tenth eleventh twelfth 13th whatever street you know it just has oh, okay numbers. numbered streets yes so the numbered streets run um east to west in mildura 
and then the other street, there's other streets intersecting it that run north to south. So Mildura is quite easy, you know, to find a way around. Um, mm. As for the paddle boat itself and the accommodation itself, um, the boat is quite easy to find your way around. You do have to be careful because um, especially in the in the main sort of lounge room, dining room, kitchen area, there are posts that hold up the upper floor and they're sort of in the middle of nowhere so you do have to be careful of those um and it is quite because it is a a boat built in the 1950s or Mm -hmm. late 1940s it is like quite narrow walkways and there are lips and things so you know you probably should use a cane until you know your way around but the numbers on the doors are all for the cabins are all quite tactile, mm-hmm. um, which I found really helped. Um, and there aren't if you stick just to the main deck where the lounge dining kitchen area is, then there aren't any stairs on that deck. Um, there are stairs both at the back and the front of that deck that go up to the top deck and there are more cabins up there and those stairs I would definitely say use a cane because they are quite um, steep and the stairs actually have no backs on them so you have to be a little bit careful with those but I think it's a really it's really good um, for accessibility I've obviously had my guide dog when I went and um, wait 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 you had your guide dog when you went Yes, I, I had my guide dog when I went on this holiday. I should, yes. Anyway. Um, um, well, no, no, wait, hold on. How did he relieve him, herself? I was just getting to that. Uh-huh. So, so where the boat is tied up, um, it's actually like, you know, it's not in the middle of the river. It's tied up on the side of the river. Sure. Um, so there's a little, um, a little tiny metal ramp that goes off the side of the boat onto a wooden gangplank. Okay. And then the wooden gangplank is on the like on the ground. So you just walk along that until you're on concrete and you're on the ground. So on the metal uh, sorry, on the wooden walkway, there are two rubbish bins where I put my um we pick up our dog manure in um, in bags and so there were two rubbish bins that I could put my dog bags in um, but there's where it is is actually in a, a big park um, along beside the river so you're able to take the dog um, off the boat and there's you know it's only about 10 steps and you're on the grass in the park um, so you can relieve the dog there. Now, was it easy to find the way out from your particular room? Yeah, so um, the the gentleman who runs the accommodation, he was fantastic. Um, he, he thought, you know, to make it easier for me that he'd put me in the cabin closest to the lounge room. So I literally just had to step out of my cabin, turn right, and it was about, two or three steps to the door into the into the lounge room dining room kitchen area I see. um 
so he, you know, he's very good and um, very accommodating. So there's right, no problems right. with finding your way around and stuff. And he will also, you know, when you when you arrive, he also will give you like a bit of a tour of the boat um, and show you around and and show you what's what. But um, I spent, you know, I spent a week on the boat and I explored nearly every single inch of it. Um, so, yeah. But I so, also knew what I was looking for because I had a lot of knowledge from, you know, my parents had done several cruises on it. So right. I, I also knew what I was looking for and where to look for it. Right. And did, how did your guide dog do with the poles? Yeah, she was fine. I didn't use her um, in the environment. I just, you know, took her inside and had her, didn't put her harness on at all while we were actually right. on the boat. I didn't make her work. I used my cane. Um, and she was, I actually had the boat to myself for all but the last night. Um, so for the first six nights that I was there, I was there for a week. And so for the first, um, yeah, first sort of six days I was there on my own and wow. I just let her I just let her loose you know I didn't um I didn't use her I didn't put her harness on I put mm -hmm. her lead on when I took her out to the toilet but other than that I just made sure that the door was shut um so she couldn't sneak off the boat without me knowing um and yeah she just wandered around loose she had a great time does the boat ever um uh... I don't know what the word is, undocks and just go around somewhere. It it does, but um it it they're not allowed to I'm fairly sure he said they're not allowed to take it out with passengers on it. Um when the river floods, which does happen occasionally and will probably happen again this summer because we've had a lot of rain. Right. Um, when the river floods, he does take the boat um, out into the middle of the river where it's sort of safer. Mm -hmm. um, and he also um, does take it down to dry dock every couple of years to have it, um, you know, taken out of the water and have any maintenance done that it needs to have. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it, it, and the food, was. how was the food there? Um, so it's just a bed and breakfast. So he provided a continental, you know, cereal and toast type breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, I also took with me some yogurt and I bought some, um, fruit and veg. I bought some bananas. I'm sorry. Um, to have You're going to have to define, what was it? Yogurt? Yogurt. You know. Oh, yogurt. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I heard something else. I thought... <laughs> Okay, yes. my apologies. I'm yes. still getting used to the accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I took I took some I took some yogurt and I took um some fruit and veg for my breakfast because I didn't want to just have cereal and toast for the whole week. Sure. Um and also um I used my bananas for like you know, if I wanted to just have a light dinner and didn't want to have to because I had to buy all my meals. Um, which is fine, but it does get expensive. So what I actually did most of the time was I bought, you know, a big lunch and then I just had a banana or something for dinner. Right, um, right. I actually used to live in Mildura. Um, if anyone 
of my subscribers is watching, they'll know that I lived in Mildura until February this year. So, you know, I spent a lot of the week catching up with friends and going to my favourite restaurants up there and everything like that. So, now, yeah, it was really lovely. Did your friends come to you or did you go to them? Oh, it really depended. Like um, some of them came to me, some of them I went to them, some of them we sort of met in the middle and, yeah, we had a fantastic time. So how was, I mean, was it easy to get to where you were going? Yeah, yeah. In Mildura? Yeah. And, look, I like I said, I lived there for three years, so I knew the way around pretty easily. But like I said before, Mildura is quite an easy way to, a place to find your way around rather. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um. And does Australia, I mean, for example, we have the CNIB, the UK has the RNIB. Does Australia have some type of version for the blind? So we have, um, we, we have Vision Australia, who right. they are probably one of the biggest and, and well-known organisations. Mm -hmm. um, and they provide lots and lots of different things. Um, we also have each state has its own guide dog organization, mm -hmm. um, but the guide dog organizations don't just do dogs. They do, you know, O and M. They do occupational therapy. They have orthoptists. Um, they have uh, I know Guide Dogs Victoria, which is the one that I use. Um, we have group programs as well, so. I'm in a program called YAP or the Young Adults Program. Mm -hmm. um, so there is plenty of variety as well. Right. Yeah. And how long does did it take? Is this your first guide dog? No, this is my second. Um, so my first guide dog, Darcy, um, I got him literally the week after I finished secondary school. Um, oh, is that I, right? Yeah, I graduated. <laughs> I graduated high school on the Friday, mm -hmm. and over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday was spent intermittently packing for guide dog school and studying for my final year exams. Um, mm -hmm. And then the Monday morning, I went into class and trained um, for four weeks with him. Mm -hmm. um, but I took um, I took two days off the second week of training to come home and go to school and, and sit my final year exams. Um, so it was all. So the burning question, hold on. There's a burning question. Did you ace your exams? No, no, I, oh. no. <laughs> oh. no. <laughs> Disappointment, right down name is Mel. <laughs> yeah, no, it was appalling. Um, probably, definitely not my proudest moment. Right. Um, and I actually, because of the dog and because of guide dog training, I actually didn't even go to my year 12 graduation. Like I still graduated at year 12, but I didn't go to the formal, you know, ceremony thing. Right. Um, because that was, that happened to just fall on the night that we were bringing our dogs home. And right. guide dogs said to me, oh, you know, you can leave the dog here and we'll bring him up in, you know, on the Monday morning and you can go to year 12 graduation. But mm -hmm. 
there was an outbreak of, I think it was kennel cough um, at yeah. guide dogs during that week. And my, I, I said, well, actually, no, I'll take him home and not go to my graduation because if he got kennel cough, I didn't know when I'd be able to get him back. Right. Um, so, yeah, I actually missed my year 12 graduation because of that. Were you um, disappointed? Uh, to be honest, no. <laughs> no. Right. Because um, it would have been a rush and, you know, we had to do all this, you know, I, I had to leave Melbourne and I had to go home, I had to get ready and I had to, yeah. So it would have been a really long rushed day and um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. But right. so Darcy worked um, and he was fantastic. Um, Darcy worked for six years um, and then in February of 2019, so, yeah, just over six years after I got him, um, I had him retired. And then in October of 2019, I got my second dog, um, Penelope, and, um, yeah, I've had her for two years. We were actually in class this time two years ago. So, uh, yeah. How is the, I'm sorry, is this typical for your guide dogs to retire under the age of 10? No, Darcy, um, Darcy actually had a, a, a bit of a health concern. Um, right. He, he, yeah, he didn't have very good um, health. He had, um, he had very, very severe um, abdominal surgery in 2015. Sure. Um, and then at the end of 2018, he actually caught um, canine parvovirus, which is a very, very dangerous, can be very fatal um, canine disease right. um, that affects the intestines and the stomach and everything. And even though he was vaccinated against it, he still got it, <laughs> mm -hmm. which was very scary. Um, and that was when he, I had had him for exactly six years and he just, he never really got back. You know, I could tell that he was, and he was starting to wind down anyway, like he was starting to get stressed and everything with working anyway. Mm -hmm. um, in the, he got this, the illness in September and in July before that, um, my guide dog trainer and I had actually agreed that we would start winding him down and start, you know, only working him in my local area and places that weren't too busy and everything because he was starting to struggle. But then after he was sick, he just, yeah, he really, really started to struggle. Um, he was very, very tired and, and he just, you know, he couldn't, really work very well anymore so um yeah he was retired in he got sick in september mm -hmm. and he was retired um at the beginning of february that's too so, bad that's too yeah bad. but he um and he also um died quite young as well he actually yeah. um passed away 10 weeks ago um and he was only 10 and a half so right. Um, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't very healthy, um, but, you know, he did a good job for the, 
for the time that he could work. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, I got Penelope in October of 2019 and mm-hmm. she's, yeah, she's doing really well. She's fantastic. She's nearly four years old. She'll be four in November. So, yeah, yeah she's doing really well. I mean, over here we have uh, our first dogs we need to stay in for four weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then subsequent dogs we stay in for only two. Yeah. Uh, is that the same over there? So with um, with Darcy, the training was four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but guide dogs between Darcy and Penelope, they actually changed their training program slightly and reduced the training program to three weeks rather than four. Mm-hmm. Um, but so with Penelope, and they don't, they don't very often actually say to people, well, you know, you've had three dogs or four dogs or whatever, so you can go home early. That is quite unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if like we had someone in my class who had was getting his sixth dog and he stayed for the whole six weeks uh, sorry for the whole three weeks of training mm-hmm. so yes yeah, so i did four weeks with darcy and then the train training was reduced and now it's three weeks mel mm. oh sorry i thought you got cut out <laughs> i'm sorry my 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 eyes just don't work properly <laughs> like ever <laughs> yes i know i have the same problem with with my eyes they just don't work i know so yeah. how i mean how did you do in japan um so japan oh my goodness that was an amazing trip i'll have to do a show just on that trip i think um japan was incredible i actually went with um i was playing blind tennis at the time Mm -hmm. and we actually went over to meet the blind tennis players in japan um and to play tennis with them so it was unfortunately it was only very short we arrived in japan um early morning on the friday and then we left at like late in the evening on Tuesday. So we were only there for um, five days, which was really sad. Um, But we had a fantastic time. Wow. And obviously the cuisine was authentic, thank goodness. Unfortunately, a lot of the people in the group didn't want to eat Japanese. Unfortunately, (sighs) a lot of the people in the group wanted to eat Western food and, like, were seeking out Western restaurants and everything. And I'm like, no, no, I want to eat Japanese. So one one evening, um, a few of the – a couple of the volunteers and myself and I think one other client – went to or participant or whatever you want to call us Mm -hmm. um we went to an authentic japanese restaurant like with cushions on the floor that you had to sit on and little round table and that was absolutely amazing um we did have a um convenience store type thing in the sort of downstairs of our hotel Mm -hmm. and that sold a lot of authentic like japanese snacks and 
um, things like that. And we actually bought our lunch from there a few days, like when we were going to be on the road and playing a lot of matches and stuff, we were buying our lunches from there. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool, having some of the authentic Japanese snacks and real sushi from yeah. Japan in Japan. It was amazing. Uh, how was, I mean, did you have an opportunity to discuss what it's like for the blind in Japan? Not really because we we only had one session where they were like, okay, we've got time to talk to the Japanese players. And there was about 15 Australians, including the volunteers, and about eight Japanese um, mm-hmm. players. But there was only one interpreter. So... Oh. It was really hard to try and have a proper meet and greet type of session with all right. these, you know, Japanese players mm-hmm. without an interpreter. That's too bad. Apparently, yeah. I mean, if you go to the Philippines, for example, they their population actually had the new generation has to learn English as a prerequisite mm. now. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I love, um, obviously, like, doing a lot of cruises. I've met a lot of Filipino, um, mm-hmm. you know, cruise staff. And I've, right. got, a, I've got a friend um, who is a cruise staff who I've made friends with over the seven cruises that I've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, yeah, she um, she was telling me that, that they have to speak English now. and But, of course, you know, she has to speak English because she's working for, Yes. an American-based cruise company doing mostly North America and Australian cruises. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of the um, uh, jobs are starting to go out to the Philippines and especially uh, uh, marketing calls, for example, oh. and or uh, customer service companies, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and they a lot of Filipino workers are starting to get jobs there. Yeah, which is I mean, good. It's good to yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, when my niece came over from there, she spoke better English than I did. <laughs> and I've been here all my life, so <laughs> that's saying something. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, I mean, are there any other international destinations you've been to? Um, I've done two cruises to New Zealand. Um, New Zealand's a fantastic place. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to actually, one of the things that I do want to do post-COVID um, is I want to actually fly across to New Zealand and spend, you know, two or three weeks actually in New Zealand, not mm-hmm. just hopping and hopping from one port to the other. Yeah. Um, but I actually want to go and spend some spend some proper time in New Zealand and, and tour in New Zealand. But um, I've got a very good friend who goes to New Zealand quite frequently. Um, so I might even have the opportunity to go across with her one day post-COVID, which would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've been to New Zealand. And I also, um, when I was quite young, I was like 9 and 10, I also did some cruises to the Pacific Islands, so like Fiji and New Caledonia and places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, they're really nice places as well. But that's really all I've been to. I haven't been to North America or Europe, but it's on the list. 
Are there any? Are there any destinations on your wish list? Um, definitely, like London. I would love to go to London. I've got a friend who lives in. Um, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to even say it. I've got a friend who lives in England. Mm -hmm. Um, I was trying to think of the name of her part of England, but I knew I'd get it wrong. Um, (laughs) So I've got a friend who lives in England, so I'm definitely going to go and visit her. Um, Mm -hmm. And that'll be really good. And, you know, we've got a bit of a to-do list and um, she's going to take me on the Eurostar, which is like a train that goes from London to Paris. Oh, my. For an Australian the thought of catching a train underneath a body of water uh-huh. to a different country yes is startling mind blowing i know it I is know. it's yes. it's really startling to think mm-hmm. that i can get a train and in i think we figured out it's like 3 hours or something i can be in a different country that to me just absolutely blows my mind no Um, i understand i mean i hear stories about the channel and i you know and i see all these movies where there are sharks that hit the the underground facility and and stuff like that and start things start cracking and breaking and and flooding and i can imagine the channel just flooding I'm not even worried about that. I just think it's phenomenal that you can go to a different country on a train, you know, because <laughs> Australia is essentially a huge island. That's yes. 20% land mass smaller than um, America. Yes. So, you know, for me as an Australian, I have to fly if I want to go to a different country or spend three days on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to, to, to get on a train and go to a different country in three hours is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, right. So definitely going to be doing that when I go to, to England. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, you know, I'd like to come to um, North America. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to go to America and, you know, do the obligatory tour of Ground Zero, um, which it sounds like a, a really amazing place. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to go and and see Ground Zero and the right. 9-11 Museum. Um, I've got friends in Washington who I'd like to go and visit. Um, Washington I've, State or Washington, D.C.? Washington State, um, okay. near the border of Oregon. Yes. So I'd, I'd love to go and see them. And um, I'd also love to come to Canada, specifically Quebec, mm-hmm. and go and visit the um, Mirror Foundation, which is a guide dog school in Montreal because yeah. um, they they have a really interesting sounding program um, and I'd love to love to go and visit there and explore that. Um, but I'd also like to go and explore other guide dog schools and um, also some schools for the blind in North America and Canada because we don't have a lot in Australia um, and I'm actually studying um, teaching at the moment and I think I'd, it'd be really cool once I've finished my teacher's degree to, yeah, to come and see some of those schools. But that's a long time away. 
I mean, aside from that, for example, I've one of my bucket list locations has always been to check out the acoustics at the Sydney Opera House. Any yeah. such things you want to do? Any particular places you'd um, like to see and be in? Well, like I said, definitely the 9-11 Museum. Um, uh -huh. I, I think I would love to go to the when I go to Paris I'd love to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower mm -hmm. um that'd be really interesting to see what Paris sounds like from all the way up there yes um and I'd love to go and listen to just all the people and the noise and the hustle and bustle in places like New York and mm -hmm. and that and I'd I really want to go. I'm a I'm a huge um, train fanatic. I love trains. Yes. Um, and so I really want to go and um, explore the, the um, London Tube. Well, right. Yeah. The underground. Yeah. 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 No, I I I can see you wanting to do that. I'd imagine you'd want <laughs> to check out the. Uh, the uh, New York uh, train system as well. Yeah, a little bit, but the the tube is definitely like priority. It's I I was talking to my friend about our you know our dream holiday when I come over to England, mm -hmm. and she said you know she's just going to book a hotel and and take me to King's Cross Station and dump me because she doesn't want to spend a day on the tube. But she's like you know <laughs> you can go right ahead. <laughs> Are are you a, a a big Potter fan? Are you? I'm a massive Potter fan. I'm a right. Ravenclaw, so uh -huh. um, no judgment. No um, judgment. No judgment. So yeah, so I'm a massive Potter fan. So of course I'd go to Leeds Studios and yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear they have um, nine and a half. Uh, is it nine and a half or nine and three quarters? Nine and three quarters. Yeah, nine and three quarters sign up. Yeah, I have to see that. I really yeah, I have to it. touch it. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's tactile. I mean, I I I have been in Piccadilly Circus yeah. and and King Edward's Castle and stuff like that mm. back when I could see. Mm. Uh this was back in two thousand. I wanna say two thousand, I think. Uh, 2001 mm. uh, And it was amazing I didn't get to experience The hedge maze Which I was sorely disappointed about mm. But I can imagine Going there now As a blind person Because I hate bushes As a blind yeah. person <laughs> I hate low hanging trees As a blind person Yeah that can be annoying uh, Yeah I mean when I'm walking my dog to relieve her and and she takes me under a tree i get no warning whatsoever yeah, yeah. but um i mean to have to go through a hedge maze as a blind person i can't imagine it that'd be really interesting yeah i'll have to add that one to the list <laughs> yeah no definitely uh i think piccadilly circus would be a a, a great place for you to visit also mm. But like I said, I mean, you are more than welcome here in Toronto, and you've got free lodging. Yeah, so I have you, to come to. Come here. I yeah. have to come to Toronto. I've actually got a a friend who 
I only made friends with her in like March and unfortunately she's left Australia now and her and her partner are going to going to be working in in Canada so mm-hmm. um, I'll definitely be looking her up when I when I get over there and, and going to visit her. So you have a lot of adventures to talk about and a lot of adventures to go on. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I mean, what is your next adventure? My next adventure. So my next big adventure, um, mm-hmm. I'm flying across to Perth, which is on the other side of Australia and spending a few days around Perth looking at some sites. Mm-hmm. And then I'm catching the Indian Pacific, which is a passenger train that takes three days, uh, sorry, three nights and four days to get back to Sydney, um, oh. which is back on the eastern side of Australia. Sure. Um, have to go through the Nullarbor Plain, which is the desert in the middle um, mm-hmm. or part of the desert in the middle. So, yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm spending a few days in Perth, catching the train back to Sydney and spending a few days doing things around Sydney. And that is going to be the end of June, beginning of July next year. Are there I think any... I haven't... Sorry, go ahead. I haven't booked my flight to Perth yet. Um, the train leaves Perth on the 26th of June. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to fly over to Perth on the 23rd um, of June. And so I'll be away for a week to 10 days um, by the time I, you know, do things that I want to do in Perth and, and do things that I want to do in Sydney as well. Now that is uh, an interesting point that you bring up. Um, how do you book your traveling as a blind person? Ah, well, this is the next episode. Um, So (laughs) a little preview into next week's episode. Um, So the company who I booked, um, I usually book directly with the company, um, Mm -hmm. either for cruises or for this um, train trip on the Indian Pacific next year. Um, And with Journey Beyond, who are the company who manage the train, they Mm -hmm. actually have, um like booking offices who they can help you book your flights and they can help you book your um hotels and things like that so Mm -hmm. but next week's episode is going to be about um how i book sounds great i'm not going to give too much more away no 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 just a teaser of course yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh well, I mean, like I said, this is your show, so yeah. you decide if you want to end it here or keep talking. Well, I think it's uh, nearly 10 o'clock. Let me have a look. Yes, it's 10 o'clock exactly now in Australia. Yeah. So I think um, thank you, Victor, for, of course, for the opportunity to have the show and um, for coming on and helping out this morning um i hope that everyone has enjoyed the show um today and will uh definitely 
look at um, continuing to watch the show every week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I reckon I'll um, definitely not say goodbye because, you know, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Uh, I should say, I just checked, and I apologize for this. Uh, We have one viewer that actually commented, Amy Bovard. Oh, hello, Amy. Oh, Bovard. I'm I'm sorry. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name properly. I apologize. Amy is actually an author, and uh, she is a blind author. So uh, she says it's a great interview. Oh, thanks, Amy. Well, hopefully you will come and listen to the show next week when I talk about how to book holidays. And like I said, thanks, Victor, for the opportunity and for coming on today and helping me with my first show. And And I want to thank you for being who you are. I want to thank you for wanting to do this because it's a great opportunity, especially with so many countries and locations opening up to travelers. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm sorry? I'm so excited. It's finally going to be like a yes. to travel. Yes, after two, two or three years of not being able to, yeah, I would imagine. Uh, I, I, I'm, definitely, I definitely won't be leaving Australia anytime soon. Um, I right. think I'm going to stick to Australia for a little while. Um and but yeah there's there's plenty of australia to explore it's a big place (laughs) yes definitely it's a huge place yeah um so i mean is that what you want to do you want to end it now dear yeah we'll uh we'll say goodbye for now and um see you all next week and i'll don't forget to um obviously follow uh whose blind life is it anyway um on Twitter and Facebook and here on YouTube. But also don't forget to look me up, um, Mel's Blind Life, um, at Mel's Blind Life on Instagram, Mel's Blind Life on Facebook and YouTube. And I put the links to her Facebook page and YouTube channel in the description box. So (laughs) if you want to subscribe and follow, please do so. Uh, she definitely deserves it. She's got some interesting content, some amazing content. And I have no doubt that her show on this channel is going to be a huge success. I hope so. I mean, if only because she's a beautiful woman and it'll be a treat to listen to her. Oh, well, I've, I've only spoken the truth. (laughs) all right well thank you all for watching and we'll say see you later for today bye-bye everybody bye guys